sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward Mills. I want you to give a resounding applause to Jesus. To Jesus, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He is enthroned. Give him praise. Don't be tired. Give him praise. It's all about Jesus. Amen. Shall we share a word of prayer? Father, thank you so much. For the privilege of being the vessel that you have chosen to use this evening. I pray that your will will be done. Not the will of any man, not the will of any flesh. Holy Spirit, lead us into all the will of the Father. I pray against any resistance to the word of God. I pull down every high thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. I pray that the words that I speak shall be spirit and life to your people. And I pray, O oh God, that whatever work the Holy Spirit intends to do in our lives shall be accomplished. Holy Spirit, I need you more than ever. Use me for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Well, I thank God. For the privilege of being here. Amen. Amen. And um, it is the persistence of your lady reverend. <laughs> that has made this evening possible. And even as at last week, I was saying to LPBM, you know, we just came from Sri Lanka. I've hit the road running and I just can't put my mind to Awoshi. But God... It's good. Amen. <laughs> and your Lady Reverend's persistence has paid off. I want to thank God for this time. God could have chosen any vessel. I'm humbled that he puts me on his plan. Amen. And then also, I want to thank my husband, the bishop. under whose ministry I have sat for many years, more than 30 years, because he was my president uh, in the university, and it has continued to be so. Amen. And I thank him for allowing me to be here. I also want to salute your Lady Reverend Kate. And all the pastors, lady pastors, shepherds and leaders and congregation members who are here. 
It is true. Lady Reverend Kate said that it was in 2005. I was just asking Lady Pastor if we're in my office when we're coming. How many years has it been? And she said she thinks it's 12. But it's 13 years since. And God has taken us from glory to glory. Amen. Your Lady Reverend has been the very essence of faithfulness. She has been with the bishop for a very long time. And I believe that her faithfulness has been rewarded by God. I also know that every Mother's Day, Awoshi Church in particular, has always come to bring me a greeting to strengthen my hand, to encourage me, and to also bring me a token of something. And it has always touched my heart. You have always been, you were the first and the only for many years. And I always, I always used to wonder why you always came. But you always came. And you would always bring a delegation of ladies just to bring some appreciation and to say some kind words. And that has really strengthened my hands. Thank you for always remembering me. I don't take it for granted. Amen. I remember your lady reverend also because of her English. It's not easy. It's impeccable. And she never makes any mistakes. Amen. And also, she has served God and she has found herself in full time fighting and working for God's work and to train God's people from all over the world and to launch them back as arrows into the harvest. Lady Reverend Kate, I honor you this evening. Amen. She has also been my friend through all the years. And uh, whenever we meet, there's not a lot of time, but we chit-chat somehow. And she has always said, hey, so when will you come to Awoshi? And then in 2018, it has become a reality. God has been good to us. Amen. Relationships matter a lot. And relationships bring a lot of fruit that sometimes you don't know about. Sometimes you see somebody and now maybe the church is bigger, like she said. It has 3,000 branches. And then you would say, ah, but why would Lady Reverend come to Awushi? By its relationship. That has brought me here this evening. And I thank God for that. Amen. Amen. So um, I also want to acknowledge the ladies and lady pastors and those who work in my office who came with me. Please stand up and let's acknowledge you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Anyway, Lady Reverend Kate says that your topic is the manifestation of his grace, which is a very timely and powerful topic. By the way, I thought your choir was very, very anointed and very mega. 
God bless you. And the dancing stars. I don't know where you got that message from. I don't even know what topic it was. So you have surprised me pleasantly. God bless you. But when you say the manifestation of something, then you are talking about a display. Something that makes the thing obvious. Or something that makes us see that this thing is around. Um, so when you say manifestation of grace, you are trying to say, what, what is it that shows us that the grace of God is around? And when the grace of God is around, what are the qualities, what are the things that will happen when the grace of God is around? Amen. I was listening to my husband preach about faith in the grace of God. Just, um, I think, two Sundays ago, when he appointed pastors at the first love, and I thought that this man is my favorite preacher because he has this knack of making the word able to be assimilated by everybody. So God bless Bishop Dag. Amen. But I want us to go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Reading from verse 11. Because we are talking about the grace of God. Titus chapter 2. I hope you know where Titus is. Titus is not only the boy who was your mate in school. But Titus is a book in the Bible. And you need to know the books of the Bible, not for academic purposes, but so that when the enemy comes, the Bible says the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And that's what we don't have. So when the enemy comes, some of you use table knife, or you use a blade, or you use a razor, and that doesn't work. It is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God that works. So I pray that you will, you will elevate the word of God and make it important in your lives. Amen. Now, I want to go to King James. So, um, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. Amen. This is um, Apostle Paul writing to Titus. And he says something or a number of things about the grace of God. 
He says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared unto all men. Amen. So there are certain things that the grace of God does in our lives. And one of the key things is that it brings salvation. Amen. Now the Bible says in Ephesians 2 a that for by grace are you saved. Amen. So the grace of God is some favor you don't merit or something you didn't work for. It's something free that God gives to us. And even for us to be saved, he has to supply the grace before we will use it to be saved. So it means that without the grace of God, honestly, we can't do anything. Sometimes I look at my life and I know it's the grace of God. Just before I came here this evening, I was talking to my daughter, the last at home, and I was saying that this morning, as I started to have my quiet time, I asked myself that, what is the most precious thing in this life? What is it that is in my treasure box? What is it that God has given me that is so precious and I realized that it's my salvation for God to have saved me for God to even have called me it is the grace of God and within that grace has come so many things you know that's what people don't know that that grace makes it's a package so when you say yes to Jesus you have said yes to so many good things and no to so many foolish things. And the grace of God that brings salvation makes you saved. Now, Lady Reverend, what does it mean to be saved? Some of us, we think saved means you attend church. Or saved means you are a church worker. Or saved means you serve the pastor. But saved means you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son there has been a change amen it is said that when you go to rome you do what the romans do isn't it when you move to another country you can't do what you do in ghana it's a different country so the same ghanaians when they travel to america they get to work on time they don't use African time. Amen? They work very hard. They are given awards as best employees. What has happened? They have been translated from the kingdom of Ghana into another kingdom. And in the same way, when you get saved, God translates you from the, or transfers you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. But some of us, we have one foot in the kingdom of darkness and one foot in the kingdom of light. And because of that, the package that the grace of God brings, we don't experience it. But salvation is something that is brought to us by the grace of God. Amen. I was the only Christian in my house among the children 
I got born again from the age of nine by the grace of God through my Sunday school teacher, teacher Yamwa. Somewhere along the line in Form 2 or so, I tried to backslide, but it didn't work because the seed was there. And every time I wanted to backslide or maybe taste the world a bit or something would not let me go. That something was the grace of God. And when salvation came, my relationship with God changed. I was a churchgoer, yes. But when I got saved, my Sunday school teacher explained to me what it means to be a child of God. I didn't fully grasp everything, but as I went along, God sent people to explain more to me my salvation. One of the instruments was the scripture union, which has been our foundation all these years. And one of the great instruments that God used was also my husband. Because when I got to the university, I was saved all right. I was having my quiet time all right. But I didn't understand the seven great principles. Amen. So some of you are saved, but salvation is also a journey. When you are saved, the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So salvation is work. It is by grace, yes. But after that, God gives us grace to work out our salvation. Amen, somebody. So the grace of God brings something. And one of the key things is salvation. Now, the salvation, the Bible says, it brings salvation to all men. So the second thing the grace of God does is, it brings salvation to all men. Amen. Now, salvation comes to all men, but not all men receive the salvation. That is why John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But there's a clause there, whosoever believeth. And John 1.12 says that as many as believed and received, to them he gave power to become the children of God. You don't become something that you already are. Now we like to say, It's not true. We are all God's creation, but we are not all children of God. It is those who have received him and believed in his name. He gives you power to become a child of God. Because it's not easy to just get up and become a child of God. Even then, the grace of God steps in and gives you the power to become a child of God. So we are not all the same. The grace of God has appeared like a parcel at your door. A dispatch rider brought it. But some said, go away, I don't want this parcel. And some said, I opened my heart, I need Jesus coming today. But for some of us, after that, nothing else has happened. And that is not God's intention. Amen. 
Now the Bible says the grace of God which brings salvation has appeared unto all men. The third thing the grace of God does is it teaches you. The grace of God is a teacher. Amen. And not only does it teach you, it chooses the topics it wants to teach you and I. Amen. So the third thing the grace of God does in our lives is to teach us. Amen. And when you look through the Bible, it talks about so many people receiving grace. Amen, somebody. It said, Esther 2.17, Esther found grace in the sight of the king. Joseph found grace in Potiphar's house. Genesis 39 verse 4. Jesus grew up in wisdom and all that and the grace of God was with him. Now, if even Jesus needed the grace of God, then how much more you? Amen. What does the grace of God teach us? Verse 12. Denying ungodliness. Many of us get saved, but the grace of God is not allowed to carry us to the next level. Amen, somebody. But the grace of God teaches us that we should deny ungodliness. That is my fourth point. Now, Lady Reverend, what is ungodliness? Ungodliness is anything God will not do. But what do we see in the church? Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, It is commonly reported that there is fornication amongst you. And such fornication that is not mentioned even amongst Gentiles. Because our own is at another level. You come to church, you are busy praising God, your bag is gone. You come to church, people tell you something, you take it with a pinch of salt. You cannot believe it. You come to church and the very people in the church are the ones destroying other people's marriages. But the grace of God comes to teach us, number five or four, whatever, to deny ungodliness. But there's so much ungodliness in our lives. It's different from a New Year resolution. New Year resolution is without the grace of God. That's why it never works. Oh, this year, I'll do this. In your power, I'll do that. People write, 31st, New Year resolution doesn't work. But maybe what you write on Covenant Sunday will work because of the grace of God. Amen. But it is teaching us something. And it is teaching us that denying ungodliness. Look, temptation is part of the Christian walk. Jesus was tempted and so will you. But when you talk to modern day Christians, <laughs> the reverend is not easy, oh. Lady Reverend, I want to stop the pornography, but I can't. Lady Reverend, I don't want to go to the man's house, but before I know, my legs have led me there. <laughs> then when you go into it, unless you crucify this flesh, nothing is going to happen. Amen? 
Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. Not by him, not near him, not close to him, but with him. So salvation also comes with crucifixion, which we don't like to hear. Amen? Denying ungodliness. What does Jesus say? If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Because self would always like to come up, like they said in the drama. Amen? Self would like to fornicate. Self would like to cheat. Self would like to do shortcuts. Self would like not to fast. Self would like not to marry and live together. Self would like to do 419. But you see, beloved, when we do all these things, it's not just a set of morals. The Bible says that God has made a hedge around his children. And he that breaketh the hedge, a serpent will bite you. The Bible says sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. So it's not like, oh, God just says, don't do this, don't do this, because it's good to be good. No, it is a protection and a covering for you. Amen. The Bible says that if Satan be divided against himself, then his house will not stand. But if you are united with him, then his house will stand. Amen, somebody. Denying ungodliness means you may feel like it, but you tell your body, you tell your mind, you tell your fingers that access is denied. Amen. No angel is coming to do that for you. He says you and I must take up our crosses daily. Amen. It's not every time I feel like doing God's word. Do you think every time then it's easy? <laughs> yes, then. No. If you haven't cried to obey God, then you haven't gone far in your relationship with him. Amen, somebody. During the week of Mountain of the Lord, I was very sick. But um, my husband had gone up to Mampong, and then I was, I went to Takradi to see my mother. It was the first love camp. And then I said, okay, the Friday, the award service, I'm always there, so I will be there at the award service. Now, when I came back, I felt so ill, so ill, that I even thought the Lord was calling me home. So anyway, I went to the hospital, and then the doctor said to me, oh, we think we should admit you. And I said, oh, no, 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 admission, dear, no. So she did all the tests, gave me medicine, and then when I sat in the car, my driver said, oh, mommy, I think you should have slept there, oh, the way you are sick. And I said, no, I need peace. If I sleep there, all the church members will come and visit me in the hospital because a lot of them work there. Is everything okay? So I said, no. Let me do myself slow, slow, and then go home. So I went home, and then I sent a text to my mother, my husband. Not feeling so well, we'll just take it easy and all that. So the week passed, and none of my children too was home, so I was alone. So 
I said to my domestic staff, come, sleep in the sofa downstairs. When I need you, I will call you back. So he'll come, mommy, are you okay? Like that. Then my husband finished everything and came on Saturday. Sunday was church. And then he asked me, oh, so are you going to church today? I said, oh, no, I'm not going. Said, hey, you poor, you're not going to church, then you are very ill. So I said, yeah, I don't feel well at all, I'm ill. Then he went off on his preaching appointment. There was nobody at home. So I'll listen to a message small. Then I'll watch Christian television small. Then remember I'd been there the whole week. Then I'll look at my phone and say, oh, my husband will call me. My husband will call me. No call came. And I'll also refuse to call till it was about 11, no, about 9. Then my daughter, who is in first love, called me and said, oh, mommy, you have to come for me because... Daddy has another meeting. And I'm like, really? Daddy has another meeting? He said, yes. He's going for dinner with the missionaries, so I can't follow them, so you have to come for me. Ah, as I'm sick, dinner with missionaries. <laughs> Amazing and interesting. So then I dispatched the driver. I said, go for my daughter. So my daughter came and said, oh. Even see daddy leave but anyway thank you for coming for me and all that hey one o'clock no show but anyway i went to bed you know after 30 years you are very mature by the grace of god so i went to bed and then i got up so when i was going to bed i said when he comes what will i tell him i was framing my words what i will say and a lot of things were flying through my mind. Hey, dinner with missionaries when I'm sick. Hunt. Hey, after all my sacrifice, you wait. But then I asked God, I said, God, what will I say? I don't like to pretend that oh, all is well. Just It's hypocrisy. I can't. So what will I do? And the Holy Spirit gave me an answer. So around 1, 1.32, I got up to use the bathroom. But anyway, every Sunday, I expect my husband around dawn, so I'm okay. But not this time. So anyway, I was going to use the bathroom, and then I saw him. So, mommy, how are you? Is it better? How is it? I said, the Holy Ghost has been with me. The Holy Ghost has really been with me. But I said just one sentence. I didn't have time. The Holy Ghost has been with me. And then uh, God just said, the Holy Ghost has been with me. Then he said, ah, but what answer is that? Then I, I just went and I came back to my bed. I was feeling very sleepy and weak. So I just slept. I just lay in my bed. Then my husband came. I saw that he was standing by the curtains, by the window. And he came, you like Tolio. Then, <laughs> He said, Mommy, it's not quite like that. You know, after, um, after Mountain of the Lord, there were people from various countries. So they kept bringing this batch, this batch from Sweden, this batch from here. And I kept saying, oh, I have to stop and call my wife. I have to stop and call my wife. And then finally, they said that, 
they had put the missionaries together and we were going out. And I realized that there were people in the car, so I couldn't talk to you. And then I turned and I said, I hear you. And I went back to bed. But as I was in the bed, I was saying, Holy Ghost, help me. Thank you for helping me. And then anyway, I fell asleep. At dawn, I saw that my door has opened. It was yours truly. With a tray of tea, biscuits, whatever. I'm trying to say that. Sometimes when you see somebody being obedient, submissive, it doesn't mean the person doesn't have challenges or temptations. The person's challenges may even be more than yours. But the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that denying all ungodliness. Denying. That's what the ungodliness is to knock on you. Some of you will say that. But you must ask yourself, what would Jesus do? So it's not that you won't have the edge, the feeling, the temptation. There's nothing like that. The Bible says temptations are sure to come. You see, some of the things, there may be negative prophecies, but they are the truth. Temptations, they are sure. God has said that as for that one it will come but woe to them by whom they come and then what does he say first corinthians 10 13 no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man it meant those outside but god is faithful and with every temptation he provides the way of escape what was it that held me that night i asked the holy ghost what answer can i give that conveys how I feel without stirring up Second World War. Amen. Amen, somebody. Amen. Nowadays, I see people not denying ungodliness. And we behave anyhow. But we have to receive the grace to deny. When the flesh says, do this, oh, denied. Do that, denied. Some of you, you take people on person to person. Instead of evangelism, no. Take people on and you solve your own problems. When God says, vengeance is mine. You say, dabi, 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 dabi. Honey, my sort let out. But we have to come to that place where we say, Lord, it doesn't matter if I feel sad about it, even if I feel broken about it, nevertheless, at your word, Lord, let your will be done. Some of you young people, you want to get married, but you don't want to deny ungodliness. You are sleeping with a boy before you marry him. What is the excitement you should look forward to? And then when you marry, you don't trust him. You have trust issues. Because you know that he is capable of cheating. Because he did it with you before you got married. I once saw a couple, they came, the woman was saying that, no, lady reverend, he has done this. She was very vehement about it. So I said, look, did you sleep together before you married? 
She said, yes. I said, that is why you don't trust. Trust is already broken. You don't feel that he is capable of self-control. That seed has been sown. And then now you are reaping the benefits. Amen. Teaching us that denying all ungodliness. Next point. The next thing to deny is worldly lusts. Worldly lusts. In the church today, we want just things that will bless me, bless me, bless me. Give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy or Jemima. Amen. Denying worldly lusts. Worldly lusts. Things that the world lusts after. Lady Reverend, what is lust? Lust is uncontrolled desire. And the grace of God teaches you and I to deny ungodly, a worldly lust. Amen. Now, believers, we lust after the same things the world lusts after. We look at somebody, we say, hmm, he wants to marry me. Does he have a car? Does he have a house? Does he have a smart suit? We may not own up to it, but that's what we want. We want already made men. And we don't want to grow up and go on the journey with them. Sometimes I pity the brothers. And I pray that they will pray about their choice of a mate. But they don't. The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Not some of your ways. But some of us, we are doing like even house help. You won't pray. Husband, you won't pray. Anything goes. But in all your ways, acknowledge him. Why? So that he would direct your paths. <laughs> Denying worldly lust. What does the world look for? When the world is looking for a woman to marry, it will go by vital statistics. And I am sad to say, that there are people that could have been in this service now. They are missionaries. They are pastors. They could stand up and say, everything Lady Reverend is saying is true. Listen to her. Because they said to me that they are looking for hip 44. And I said, Lady Pastor BM, come and listen. Because I believe in evidence. You will not believe it. 44. He followed this 44 and he got it but attached to other things. Today, as I speak, he's hardly in the ministry. He's been to my office a couple of times. He said, Mommy, I don't know what to do. The 44 is by you. But what are you doing with it? Worldly lusts. Worldly lusts. You want to marry Miss Ghana. You don't know that those hips were bought at Makola. I saw some myself. Or at Rocky Dolls. You don't know that, do you? And then you say, eh, this girl in the church, she really respects me. But you, when I come home, you don't respect me. Do you know how the girl is in her house? Do you? Worldly lusts. You say, I, I want inside light. You are a brother, I'm mine. I want inside light. Inside light means a very fair person that when you are in the room, you don't need light. 
That's the person you want. It may be funny, but it's also pathetic. I look at the body of Christ and I say, Lord, what's the difference between us and the world? I can't see it. I can't see it. And then later you come and do long counseling with us, four hours and things, when we have other things to do. Because you did not deny worldly lusts. Amen. We are learning from the internet. You see young girls, they say, hmm. they if you don't like it, you just come out. Really? Really? Who is your master? When you are taking a decision, who do you ask? Somebody came to us and said, I want to divorce my spouse. I said, yeah. Anyway, since you are such a staunch Christian, can you open your Bible or your iPad or whatever you are holding and show me the verse, the light that is leading you? Be <laughs> reverent. I'm just tired. Jesus didn't say that on the grounds of being tired, you can go out. That is the world. And that is what has come into the church. God have mercy on us. Amen. Now when we go to 1 John chapter 2. Are you there? 1 John 2. Verse 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If any man love the world, the love of the Father has gone on break. No, it's not in him. Amen. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Forever. So when you deny yourself of worldly lust, you abide forever. Now why would... John write to believers. So I write to you little ones because I've heard that you walk in truth and all that. Why would he write to us and tell us, love not the world? It means we are capable of loving the world. Amen? Some of us will never have a personal time with God. But we'll spend all our time on Instagram. Looking at makeup. Looking at eyebrows. They said that nowadays the makeup... It is a whole construction. You do foundation, first floor, second floor, pillars, flowing of roof and everything. Amen. We are just like the world. Our hobbies are the same. We spend the same time. You are always watching pornography and you wonder why you are not strong in the Lord. You shouldn't wonder. It's worldly lust. The lust of the eyes. The eyes. You are looking like, you are looking at an Obroni girl. When she does this, her hair flips here. We too, we Africans, when we do this, our hair doesn't go anywhere. Where it is, is where it is. Then you come home, expecting your wife to be flipping her hair, which she doesn't have. And by the way, those people are actresses. They are being paid to act. And you spend all your time 
<laughs> I want to stop, but I can't. Put a knife to your throat. Send that flesh to the cross. That's the only way. If a man loves this world, the love of the Father is not, not that it may be, it's not in him. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, it means uncontrolled desires of the flesh and the pride of life. So my children must go to this school by all means. Why? You can't afford it. See, eh? This one, I met this my mate and her children are here. So we must also, why? Pressure. Pressure. Pride of life. You have gone for a car you can't afford. When in this church, Bishop Doug teaches us that debt is not the way forward. That by the grace of God, all the buildings Lighthouse has, including Mampong, the orphanage, whatever, there's no debt on it. They don't owe any financial institution. Not because they are supermen, but because you deny worldly lusts. Amen. Because one of the worldly lusts is the pride of life. Because of the pride of life, you are going to marry that man. Because Mrs. Noehiyanwu Pa. In fact, your missus is more real to you than the fact that you are a child of God. But the fact that you are a child of God will rather endure forever. But the missus die today, tomorrow there will be another. Amen? The pride of life. When God says, wait, God says, marry a believer. So, God, me, I can't wait. Oh. These believers, they don't have money. What can they bring me? The pride of life makes you enter into competition you shouldn't enter into. You look at yourself and say, oh, all the bishops in town, their children go to this school. So we too, our children will go to this school. What is that? You cannot be using other people as your carbon copy. Everybody runs their own race in their own track. And so must you. Denying worldly lusts. Amen. Sometimes you even wonder why we want to serve God in the church. Sometimes it's the pride of life. It's not because we are really, oh Lord, the souls and the harvest. No. But we want to be near to what is great. Do you understand? So we say, hey, hey, I want to volunteer in this. But your heart is the pride of life so that you will be seen. So that you will be seen and so that you will get a title. That's why when we forget to address you as pastor, reverend, potentate, pope, it's a problem. Because it's the pride of life. You want to occupy important places in the church. But it's not that you have a servant's heart and you really want to serve. Denying worldly lusts. And God will test you to see if, like, what is in you. It is only when you are under pressure that we will know what is in you. Not when it's a happy moment. When Lady Reverend says something you are not happy about, what comes out? That is the real you. Not when things are very good and then we praise you. When we say, Shawanda, you sang so well. If we forget to commend you, it's finished. Don't look for 
your worth from what men say. Look for your worth from what God says about you. He says you are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Amen, somebody. Denying worldly lusts. We should live soberly. Hmm. Soberly. Amen. Because the Bible knows that if you are not sober, you are not likely to take good decisions. You see, when people are drunk, they are not sober. The mind is not working properly. And so the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. It said, be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a lion. Not, he's not a lion, he's like... He's somebody who likes to frighten people. Satan, oh, wrong, wrong. I know how you say it in Ghana. How do you say it, Lady Reverend? Shirley, oh, wrong, wrong. No, mean lies, anger. Okay, I can't say it. <laughs> I think it's PhD. But if you are not sober, you will not see the devil at work. You think everything is, oh, everything is okay. But if you are sober and you are vigilant, that is the Bible's advice, the Bible's advice to us. Be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, prowls round like a roaring lion, seeking whom? Seeking whom? And when he finds you, he doesn't just enter, he devours. Seeking whom he may devour. To devour is like a crocodile. He swallows you, hook, line, and sinker, everything from your head to your hand to your whatever. You know, my husband did a, a little clip. And he also had sent it to me that in Malawi, they eat mouse kebab with the head and everything. That is how the devil, he will swallow you up with everything on the kebab stick because you are not sober. Every time, you don't settle down. Sober means to be self-controlled, to be temperate, and to be in a position where you can hear God. And the grace of God, we must not forget, is still the one at work teaching us to live soberly. Soberly. But we are not sober. We are chasing this. We are chasing that. We are not putting God first. God is about number 26, the end of the alphabet. That's where God is. In your life, in your money, in your time, in anything that's valuable, God is not anywhere near. Amen, somebody? Teaching us that living soberly, it is a lesson the grace of God brings you. Maybe you are not happy. So, oh, oh, this is the Reverend is saying. Is that all that the grace of God brings us? Everything soberly, worldly, last, whatever. But you will be surprised that these are the things that leads to a lifting up. That is the amazing thing. So that we should live soberly. Romans 12 verse 3. Romans 12 verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God had dealt to every man the measure of faith. Amen. Paul said a lot of things through grace. So he says, I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly. Think of yourself highly. As a child of God, you've been purchased with the blood, you've been redeemed from sin, you've been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. You can use the name of Jesus. You have the authority of the believer. All that is high things God has done for you. But don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Amen. And you know, humility is one of the key ways in which God's grace comes to us. James 4, 7. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift. James 4, 7 is, uh, but he giveth more grace. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Then First Peter 5, 5, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he will exalt you. And then Paul is saying, through the grace given to me, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Amen. It means that as I walk in this life, I must not think of myself, eh, I'm the bishop's wife. So everything I say must be done. Who said? Who said? And who gave you that post? I'm the bishop's wife, so I don't need Bible study. I'm, I'm above these things. You may not say it, but most of us think that way. When there's a meeting at church, there's going to be a prayer meeting. When I say, oh, let the members go. I'm a bishop's wife. Really? No matter who you are, you still need the things that God says you need. Amen. So some of us, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. If you come to church, the usher say, oh, sit here. Then they move you again, come to the middle. Then they move you to the front. Say, Why? Do they think we are in kindergarten? I will not come here again. Thinking of yourself more highly. What are you and I? We are just dust, oh. And this dust will be put into the earth. We will all go the same way. So I don't see your pride that when you are coming through this door, you can't fit in. You are a big person. Jesus said, if you want to be great in God's kingdom, learn to be the servant of everybody. So we need to learn not to think of ourselves more highly. And I said, my anointing. If it were not my anointing, will you be where you are? What do you have that you didn't receive? I would like to know. I would like to know. What do you have that you didn't receive? Who maketh you to differ from the other? You say, that's for me, I'm very educated. Though. My degrees are more than the thermometer. So, if you are talking to me, take time. Who gave you the energy, the breath, the wherewithal to even pursue that degree? It's just the grace of God. So as you think of yourself so highly, when you come to the church, we preach, 
you are using your degree in academia to measure the word of God. To live soberly and righteously. And Paul said, when you think of yourself highly, you lose your soberness. And then when you lose your soberness, the devil, who is prowling around like a lion, he gets you. And so they do everything. It's not really that. You see? Pride is so subtle, you can't see it. And sometimes the people who look the the humblest, they are the worst. When we went to Zambia, hey, they lie on the floor to talk to you. They don't, even in the church, when they came, I'd arrived, they lie on the floor. When they are serving the man of God, they lie on the floor. When they, everything so. So I said to the pastor, oh, wow, your church members are very humble. He's a lady reverend. They are standing up in their heart. <laughs> Outwardly, they are prostrating. But in their hearts, they are standing up. Amen. Some of us don't get married because we think of ourselves highly. At the Kodesh, no, uh, uh, somebody got a nice beloved. The man who go there, visitors, no, 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 lady reverend. His head is like a tin cutter. As Bishop says, there's not even one uh, 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 fairy tale in what we are saying. He said it's like a tin cutter. How does the headship affect the marriage? How? We, we don't think correctly. We don't think right. And I think that when I was younger, I had that foolishness like you. And sometimes you think of yourself more highly. But that foolishness, I didn't I didn't really think about it in myself. I used to advise my friends. I said, look, his trousers are not straight. Wrong number. You can't go with such a person. No, 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 no. Another sister at the Kodesh said, Lady Reverend, whenever he's talking, he picks his nose. I can't. I said, beans, what a thing. That says my mother. You know? So try and say, oh, no, no, no. Another person said that he's bald. I said, ah. A good man, he loves the Lord. He's responsible. He's bald. What do you need the hair for? I don't know. Then buy him a wig. I don't understand it. When we dedicated the museum in Mampong, a day or so after, my husband and I were talking about the event. Then he said to me that, do you know that T.L. Osborne, he was bald and that he always wore a toupee, like a wig. And I said, really? Anyway, I don't want to mention their names here, but I mentioned some evangelists to him. I said, they also wear wigs over the baldness. And he said, and I was very surprised. I said, yes. So men, too, when you take off your wig, what we will see under will not be good. Amen, somebody. How did I get into all that? Yeah, you say the man is bald. So you don't want to marry him. Buy him a wig. Now there are male wigs also that they can wear. If that's what you want. But we think of ourselves more highly. You will not do menial jobs in the church. You will not serve anybody. You are too big. But what led Ruth to be noticed? The Bible says she found grace in the eyes of Boaz was that her testimony had gone before her and also her service. 
and her productivity brought the grace of God on her life. But what about you? Everything you are doing, you want to see what is in it for me. What will I get? Lady Reverend, what will I get? If I'm giving, what will I get? If I'm serving, what will I get? Everything is benefit-oriented. But sometimes, you'd rather say to God, what shall I give to thee for all thy benefits? What shall I render unto thee? That's a good place to come to. Amen. Living soberly means not living by your emotions. We are led too much by our emotions and foolish thoughts. Amen. <laughs> Today I'm not happy. Lady Reverend, I'm depressed, so I'm not coming to church. That's the main reason why you should come to church. The Bible didn't say as many as are led by their emotions. It said as many as are led by the Spirit of God. We should be led by the Word of God, not how we feel. Amen? So your emotions, so you won't come to church. And then you sit in the depression. Lady Reverend, I actually have a problem with depression. Sometimes I'll be there, then I'm depressed. And sometimes I'll be there, then I go into a bad mood. And Lady Reverend, I don't even know why. And I don't even know. You just sit in it. You sit in your emotions and you allow demons to cane you. But that's not why Christ came. John 10, 10, I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. How come as believers we don't even know our authority? We don't know that we can rebuke demons. We, don't, we are just sitting there and Satan is beating you and your emotions are leading you. But a sober person rises above the emotion and lives by God's word. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, he had extreme emotions. The Bible said he was weeping. His sweat was like drops of blood. He was negotiating with God. Emotionally, he was in a turmoil. But he still kept on the road. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. When it comes to emotional things, in order to be sober, we have to say, nevertheless, not how I feel. Nevertheless, not what my emotions are saying, but what your word says, that is what I will do. Amen. I have known people walk off the mission field. Walk off. I'm not saying it's not hard. I'm not saying it's not difficult. But I'm saying that I do not believe that that's God's way for you. That as you look at it, say, eh, it's difficult. Lady Reverend, me, I can't. If he's called, he should stay on the mission field. Me, I'm gone. Because you are so comfort-oriented. And then you see the big men of today say, that's for me, I want to marry somebody like Bishop Saki or Bishop Dad. That's when they lived in one room at Katawudiesho and they cooked behind their windows, where were you? Where were you? You don't want to pay that price. But you want, how do they say, nyamia nyamia. God has cooked it already for you. Then you come for it. Because your emotions lead you everywhere. But when your emotions come, think soberly. Think like in the presence of God and say, Lord, if it were you, what would you do? And then you begin to ask God for grace. And say, Lord, give me grace to go through this. What did Apostle Paul say in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9? He said that I besought the Lord three times 
that this thing should be taken from me. And what did the Lord say? He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And that my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Amen. Live soberly. The grace of God has come into your life to make all these things happen. We are running to the finishing line. Amen. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present age. Some of us think that righteous living and holy living is when we get to heaven, but it is now. Amen, somebody. Jesus said you are the light of the world, but you are doomed so in your personal life. Today you are on, tomorrow you are off. That is not God's way. When Christ comes to live in us, when we really become born again, a source of light comes into us. He says denying ungodliness and worldly lives, we should live soberly and righteously. Amen? And with purity in this present age. I like the Bible because it puts the things in perspective. Otherwise, some of you will say, oh, Lady Reverend, it didn't mean now. The Bible is saying that in this current age, as we are, with internet, with this, with all the distractions, with WhatsApp, with... Uh, uh, I hear there's an app. You take a picture and later it disappears. <laughs> Today I read on BBC in the morning that... Um, Children are at risk because they are taking, they are, they are meeting people on social media and then the people who are more grown up say to them, take off your clothes, take a picture, send it, do this. Then they use that to blackmail them in UK, in the UK. All these things are happening, but God still requires you and I to live righteously, to live righteously. It is God's command, not mine. It's not my idea. Maybe my idea, my standard would have been less. But God's grace comes to empower you to live righteously. Amen. In your marriage, are you living righteously? In your finances, are you living righteously? It may surprise a lot of people who criticize churches that one of the highest tithe payers are pastors. One of the faithful givers, if you like, when they do fundraising, always look. It's the pastors. Pastors. Righteous living affects also how you give. Amen. Righteous living affects your speech. How come you don't respect anything in the church? Hey. Eh? Small post you got in the church. When we come, say, oh, please, can you help? I cannot help you. When you are coming, come scheduled. Don't just walk in and, hey. What does Ephesians 4 say? Let your speech minister grace to them that hear you. Nowadays, when you have more posts, the more unrighteous and ungodly you are. That's the norm. It's true. Because uh, my wife is some way. They do ever, my wife is some way. So I'm divorcing her. You all your some wayness. What has God done? I am not saying she should continue in her some wayness, but the some wayness, no, it's on shift. Sometimes you are on duty. 
Sometimes your wife is on duty. So if last week she was on duty, you cannot use that to say that nullified. Amen. Go and read the shift sheet. Last week you were on duty. Amen, somebody. I hope you understand what I'm saying. We should live righteously and godly in this present age. Amen. Looking for that blessed hope and for the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We are looking for money. We are not looking for the blessed hope. We are looking for husbands. We are not looking for the blessed hope. We are looking for self-gratification. We are not looking for the blessed hope. In fact, our hope is not in him. Before we even look for him. But the grace of God is supposed to turn our eyes and make us look for that blessed hope. You see that foolish boy you had hope in? What has it brought you? When he told you, I'll do this for you, I, you took it as if it was the word of God. Amen? But this one is a blessed hope. Amen? Are Christians expecting Jesus? I don't think so. The coming of the Lord. Oh, at all. And sometimes we think he will come. But sometimes he won't come, you will go. And when we stand before God, what will we say? Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing. Not fearful appearing, but many of us will be afraid. If Jesus comes and says, yeah, I didn't know. Some of you will be waking out of some beds you shouldn't be waking out of. Somebody, some, some of you will be kneeling down, calling, yeah, God, forgive me. I didn't know you were coming today. There's no looking for any glorious appearance in our lives. The early Christians said, Maranatha, come, come, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. When you see the events of the world, you should say, Maranatha. Where is the world going to? Man, marry, man. Forcing animals to, eh, to, to be gay. They are genetically modifying. Because when they look at nature, it's not like that. So I read again on BBC that the Chinese, just this week, the Chinese have put two mice together, female and female, to have a child. And then they were saying in the write-up, oh, it was so difficult, almost impossible. So they took an egg and they did this and they did this and they did But it's not something that can be replicated. And that's what the men, when they tried, it didn't work at all. They couldn't reproduce. But it was genetic modification. So even animals, you want to prove a theory. And then they said, but the amazing thing is, they have found that among some living creatures, including fish, some single women can give birth among the animals. But what they were doing, that female mouse should marry female mouse and have a child, it, it wasn't working. And as I was reading, I said, ah, but you should have just read your word and you will know. When you see all these things, war everywhere, deception everywhere, betrayal everywhere, sickness. We get more developed though, but our problems too are developing. Do you understand? And then 
we are just saying, hey, minister, and when we watch you say, mm, minister, and no kombanji, no, 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 no. Look for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. When you are suffering in this life, say to yourself, there's a heaven. Say to yourself, Jesus will come again. Say to yourself, this is not it. If, Paul said, if this was where we end, then we're of all men most miserable. If we had no hope, but as a Christian, the grace of God, which brings salvation, leads you to have that blessed hope and to look for it. If you look for the blessed hope, you will not look for perfection in your husband or your wife. God has not made any one person who can satisfy all your needs. Hey, sir. Then he will be God. And God will never let that happen. Amen. That is why sometimes they have to go to church and not call you so that you will remember Emmanuel, God is with me. Amen. But when you are getting married or you are choosing a partner, you are looking for a perfect person. <laughs> Lady Reverend, I want somebody who will understand me, understand all my problems. And there's nobody like that. Only Jesus, the high priest, who is not touched with the feeling of our infirmity. Amen, somebody. Looking for that blessed hope. The heart of the church, the body of Christ, must turn back to look for the blessed hope. Some of you, you've never heard anything about the second coming of Christ. So you are very happy here on earth. You have built your sun castles here. And you think that's all there is. But Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Then what did he say? I go to prepare a place for you. So that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is not like your boss. Who, where he is, he doesn't want you to be there. But he, for, since 2,000 plus years, he's been preparing a place for you. But we don't have that blessed hope. The grace of God should give us that blessed hope. The grace of God should make us look for that blessed hope. The grace of God should make us expectant about the coming of the Lord. I think that we need to turn our eyes and our hearts back that Jesus is coming again. It may not be a popular topic. It may not be popular to talk about righteousness, godliness, the glorious appearing, but I'm not here to please you. I'm here to please him who called me and sent me. Hallelujah, somebody. So from today, pray that Lord help me to be heavenly minded. I'm earthly minded. Everything is about your wife, your husband, your children, your this, your that. Those are earthly things. And Jesus said in heaven, people don't marry. It is God who will marry us as his bride. But human being to human being, there's no marriage in heaven. Amen? And so because of that, look up. Jesus said, when you see these things happening, look up. For your redemption draws near. But when we see these things happen, we join the world. We all talk. Hey, have you heard what has happened in Russia? Have you heard what has happened in America? Have you heard? But that is even an evangelistic tool to say, oh, all this is happening. But as for me, I'm looking up. Because Jesus said, 
When I see all these things happening, I should look up. When I see what is happening in churches, when I see what is supposed to be ministry, when I see what is supposed to be Christianity, I'm heartbroken. But then I remember that he said, look up because your redemption draws near. God bless you. Stand to your feet, please. Every eye closed, every head bowed. I have another world in view, in view. I have another world in view. I have another world in view, in view. I have another world in view. My Savior has gone. My Savior has gone to prepare me a place. I have another world in view. My Savior has gone. My Savior has gone to prepare me a place. I have another world in view. I want you to talk to God to turn your heart. To have heaven in your sight. To have another world which is eternal. Created not by the hearts of man but created by the hands of God. And in that world and in that kingdom, the rules are different. He came that we may have life, that is Zoe, starting from this earth throughout eternity. The Lord is calling us the grace of God that brings salvation. He's teaching us to deny ungodliness and all worldly lusts. It's not a formality. Open your mouth and talk to God. Tell him, Lord, I've just been saved and it has ended. But tonight, I want the grace of God to take me further. I want the grace of God to cause me to live righteously. I want the grace of God to deliver me from iniquity. I want the grace of God to make me a peculiar person. Like your word says. Oh, speak to God tonight. The Bible says the world and its last are passing away. But the word of God, it abides forever. God always has the last word. It's time for rededication. It's time for repentance. It's time for a new beginning. The grace of God that brings salvation the manifestation of his grace is salvation the manifestation of his grace is denying ourselves of worldly lusts and ungodliness the manifestation of his grace is looking for that blessed hope talk to God Father tonight we come to you we ask that your grace will be activated in our lives Paul prayed that multiple grace will come to his churches. We pray that grace and peace and mercy will be multiplied unto your people. 
Lord, tonight, we ask that what the grace of God brought will be fully experienced in our lives. Forgive us for we have made idols in our lives. We have replaced you with so many other things. But tonight, you are calling us to a new beginning, Lord. And we accept it. Turn our hearts around. Give us desires that hunger after you. Help us to believe that when we seek first your kingdom, everything else will be added. Lord, let there be a cleansing of your church. Give us a burden for the last days. Give us a burden to snatch people from the fire and to make them ready for the next world. Lord, let there be a visitation in your church in the name of Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You are here tonight. You don't know Jesus as your Savior. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. Lady Reverend, I've been playing the buffoon and games with God. But tonight is my night. I want to make a decision for Jesus. I want to start afresh. If you are like that here tonight, just lift up your hands wherever you are. Whether you are in this auditorium, whether you are outside, lift your hands high above your shoulder and I will pray for you wherever you are. God bless you, I see your hand. God bless you, I see your hand. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. God resists the proud. Don't let God resist you because of your pride. But let him give you grace because of your humility. You lifted up your hands. Take one more step. Father, I thank you for the hands that have been lifted. I pray that you would touch them where they are standing. If you've lifted up your hands, come forward. Come. Come home to Jesus. Come unto my, my, my. Come unto Jesus. Give him your life today. You know it. All to Jesus. Come from outside. Come from the back. Come from everywhere. All to him I freely. Come, we are waiting for you. You are our heroes tonight. Forget about who is on your left, who is on your right. The grace of God is reaching out to you tonight. Come. Come, come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. Come to the throne of grace. We are waiting for you. You know you should be here. Come to the cross. Last call. grace of God which brings salvation is available here to you tonight. Say, dear Jesus, tonight I come to you just as I am. Jesus, take my life and make me your child. Forgive me for my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross to save me. And thank you for rising from the dead so that I 
me saved. Thank you, Lord, for a new beginning in Jesus' name. Thank you for the grace of God that is bringing me salvation now and giving me the power to live a godly life. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Please, I have some books for you. God bless you. Finally, we close our eyes. Father, I want to thank you for this church, for how far you have brought them. I pray that the words I have spoken will not fall to the ground, but that it will continue to do a great work in your church. Deliver us, O oh God, from the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Deliver us from the deceptions of Satan that have held us bondage. Tonight, we break that power in Jesus' name, and we set your people free. I leave your presence here, your blessing here. I leave increase in this place. May your people not die prematurely. May they not die in the midst of their years. May children not predecease parents. But Lord, may the abundant life that you have promised be their portion. I pray that you will answer their secret prayers. I pray that you will wipe away their secret tears. I pray that this church will, Lord, grow and increase from strength to strength. I pray that it will be a tree where many shall come and find life and find a shade to live in. Father, for all the people that serve under this ministry and who are represented here, I pray that their service will not be in vain. Your word says that God is not unrighteous to forget our work and labor of love. Remember them, O oh God, and do for them what they cannot do for themselves. Increase your anointing. Increase your grace. Increase your favor from their pastors right down, Lord. Let them see your goodness in the land of the living. Thank you, Father, for answered prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.